Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the last Serial Coma podcast of 2017. I am one of your hosts, Mala Bhattacharji, former soap opera reporter, and I'm here with my partner in crime, scandalous women blogger, Elizabeth Carey Mahone. Um, I would like to report that as this is our last podcast of the year, I am pants. I am pantsless. Um, I just want to get that out of the way right off the bat. I am wearing pants. Okay, so that makes one of so us. So we have one <laughs> pantsless and one pants. <laughs> That's good, good. So um, <laughs> so this has been an interesting year um, for daytime. I feel like there's been a lot of chances taken on all four shows, and some worked out and um, some didn't. What's your What's your immediate take uh, on Best and Worst? Like, well, I have to say, on General Hospital, the best storyline, and I can't believe I'm saying this, and there's a lovely reverb in the background right there, um, (laughs) is the storyline of the two Jasons. Wow, yeah. I mean, it really... um, It's started out really strong and has continued to be strong, the whole story of, you know, Jason, who is now officially Jason, but was patient number six, mm-hmm. being found at a clinic in Russia by Ava, and now the, the fallout of um, Drew finding out that not only is he not Jason, but he also has a son, Oscar, mm-hmm. which is, yay, two more Quartermains. <laughs> which is awesome. But also the ripple effect because now Ned's worried about um the shares of ELQ because now Drew and Oscar get shares in the family business because of uh, Edward's will and what does that mm-hmm. mean because he's trying to get rid of Michael. So it's like a whole right. ripple effect on the canvas. It's affected That's everybody. Perfect. So it's it's been a really great storyline. That's fantastic. So that's the best on GH. Fantastic. This is what I'm worried about and wondering about. Do you think we're going to see a return to that old Sonny Carly Jason centric GH that was starting in the, that fans got tired of? Um, Um, I was worried about that too, but I think until we find out how this all came about, like, who is the culprit who's put mm-hmm. this all together. Um, I think we're not going to have that for a while. I think it's a good four or five months down the line because it was okay. just revealed on Friday that Sam and Drew aren't really married. So I think right. a lot of the focus is going to be on that triangle. Okay. That makes Which sense. makes me happy. Yeah, me too. I have to catch up. I'm a little behind. I've been watching it here and there. Um, and and it does feel like there's other things on the show going on, like you've, like you've mentioned in the past. And I love that glimpse at Finn and Anna that you told me uh, to catch up on. Uh, if they follow through with that couple, I think 
you know, that's another, like those are two other power players, Michael Easton and Vanilla Hughes, who deserve a meaty story and a love story. So um, I'm excited to see that play out in 2018. I'm excited to see that play out in 2018, too, because, again, you've got another storyline that's encompassing a lot of people, not just Spin and mm-hmm. Anna, but Valentine, And mm-hmm. also, we know how Sonny feels about drugs. So I'm sure eventually right. Sonny will be roped into that storyline. So, you know, it's, again, the new head writers, I think, with Chris Bennett and coming in, I think we're starting to see um, – his work as co-head writer mm-hmm. with Shelley Altman. And I, I think that we're getting a, a bit more of um, a little bit more well-roundedness than had been previously, yeah. which I'm very happy. I'm very grateful for. I mean, I mean I there's still a lot of work to be done. Yes. And I think that's probably a lesson that we can take away from 2017 and soaps because it, sometimes it's really about the head writers and the right combination and the right characters, and all of it coming together and gelling in an organic and fresh way. Um, Because I feel like that's what ABC and and NBC, what both Days and GH are doing right now, is, you know, they freshened up the writing team, and they went back to a lot of historical touches and family-based touches that fans really connect to, whereas I feel like Y&R and B&B are floundering. You know, um, B&B is kind of just, I think, stuck in a rut. And Y&R tried to change too quickly. You know, they went from classic soap writing and storytelling to, like, this high super speed, um, throw the baby out the bathwater, anti-soap type of storytelling almost. And it was too fast. And um, so... uh, Yeah, and I'm really surprised by that because... Mal Young has been executive producing the show for what two years before he took over as head writer. So I'm I'm yeah. really surprised that he he decided to institute like East Ender type storylines so quickly instead of trying to ease viewers into it. Which yeah. you know, soap fans don't like change too quickly. Um, So I was really surprised that he just jumped in like, okay, this is going to happen. All of a sudden it's going to be a brand new Y&R. Yeah. And I'm I'm one of those people who is sitting here shaking my fist and going, get off my lawn. Like, I can't help it. Um, I I don't like the, the episodic one day and it's over. I hate the fact that the arcs don't continue, that there's no continuity from the day before. Like, Things are happening off screen. Like, you know, I love babies. I adore babies. And apparently there's been this whole thing happening off screen where Kane's teenage twins have been visiting their little baby brother in the ICU. And I'm like, why aren't we seeing that? Why aren't we seeing these adorable teenagers playing with their premature little brother in the ICU and, like, bonding with him? Because these kids hated that baby. These kids freaking hated that baby. And I'm like... Seeing them touching your little hand through the little incubator is so gold, right? Like, that is, like, younger. Well, yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah. And it would also There's, it would also give more um, oomph to the two characters because, yes. you know, it would, you know, they could be, Charlie and Maddie could be having, like, a conversation and maybe one of them is really reluctant and it's like, I don't know why we're here. 
you know, with yes. this illegitimate baby who ruined our parents' marriage, and the other one that's like, right. we shouldn't blame this little baby for dad's mistake. And you could have had, exactly. like, a whole, you know, bit of character development for the two of them. And they could have had their entire own off story. Yes. Yes, yeah. they could have had their entire own little storyline of them growing as characters. Instead, all of that growth happened off screen, and Charlie and Maddie are totes cool with the baby. And instead, we are seeing a lot of other random things that have no connection to a story arc, like Billy and Phyllis and everybody flying off to NOLA. It was cute. It was funny. But it had nothing to do with storyline, them flying off to New Orleans to have a bender with Nick, you know, Nick and Chelsea. It was pointless. It was... There's nothing that's actually permanent or – there's just no arc. There's no arc. There's no sense of continuity. And that's not what we tune into soaps for. I mean, uh, and that's why I think GH and Days, um, for various reasons, are my two best soaps of the year. Because I feel like they're doing what soaps need to be doing to stay alive. Well, yeah, I mean, even the storylines on GH that didn't work, for example, the whole mm-hmm. ridiculous Man Lander storyline where they keep trying to make Amy happen, um, you know, that didn't dominate. It just sort of was like, you know, I mean, it was basically a way to keep Nathan viable while Maxie was mm-hmm. off the campus. Um, yeah. And it, so I, even though it was like, really bad and ridiculous it still felt like they were trying to to do something it wasn't mm-hmm. just you know it started out maybe being filler but then once Maxie came back they involved her in it and then you know Nell came into it um, mm-hmm. which is again an, another way of trying to make Nell viable because that's another yeah. character <laughs> keep trying to make Nell happen and I think they finally realize that what um, the actress's strength is, is her playing a bad girl and not trying to make her into this. So I'm I'm glad that they've gone. Yeah. I mean, you know, at first it seemed like they were trying to make her Carly 2.0 and then they tried to make her sort of good, but they're leaning more into her as a bad girl and it really works well for the actress. I mean, it's it's yeah. more dynamic, and now her scenes with Michael are really sort of taking off. Yeah, I've, I've seen so fans they, saying that so, on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, when she was trying to be sort of like this, this good girl, it was playing into like, you know, the same problems they had with Sabrina. Which yeah. is, and, and Michael is such a good character anyway. Um, you need to really have a contrast with his love interest. Otherwise, it's just two bland people. I know that um, Chad Duell is a very good boy in real life. He's a nice boy. He's very, I think he's religious. Um, But, but, uh, but Michael needs to be dirtied up something fierce. Like, like let's just cover Chad Duell's ears and not let him hear this part. But someone needs to pin that boy down to a bed and, and, and like just, ruin him like he needs bad girls <laughs> yeah and that's why I think I'm so happy that they're they're playing Nell's bad girl um I mean there was yeah. a brief moment where um when he was angry Michael and he hated mm-hmm. Sonny and Carly that was Chad Duel yeah. at his best at agree so you know I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, so when they, they had him because of Sabrina forgive yeah. them all, I'm like, but you're you're defanging this character now. Yes. So I'm I'm glad that he now has like he can at least be angry at Nell or whatever because Yeah, you know, I I think Chad Duell is one of those actors who when you really give him meeting material, he'll tear into it and be really fantastic. But you have to give him the material. He's just not yes. one of those and actors Chandler who Matt, can just take yeah. And I feel like Chandler Massey is similar that way on Days of Our Lives. You know, like, for a while there, he slept, he sleepwalked through Will for a long time. And I think this return, they have given him stuff where he got to be angry, he's gotten to be slutty. Like, it's been great. Like, it's it's like, and, he, and he's tearing into the material. Like, a lot of these actors, especially the younger ones, they can't just do it right off the bat. You actually have to give them something to tear into. Um and uh yeah <laughs> yeah because a lot of them are coming onto the show with not a lot of acting experience um yeah. you know as opposed to the the Finola Hughes and and the Michael Easton's who've been acting for 20 some odd years so i mean i definitely from what i've seen of of days i think will's return has been one of the the best storylines of the year Definitely. It's it's been phenomenal. It just made everyone step up to the plate, uh, and play and have fun and, and you know, it just had everything. It had tears, it had comedy, it had it has hearts, uh, it has a love triangle, like a gay male love triangle at the core of it. I'm like, which is awesome. <laughs> um I mean that's fantastic. Which it is, makes me laugh. And it's a sexual gay male triangle. You know what I mean? It's not like a defanged chaste uh, love triangle. It is a straight up I'm staring at you in a towel love triangle. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, Ron's really good at that. I mean, he really, when yeah. he was writing for One Life to Live, he created that love triangle with Fish and Kyle and uh, the teacher. Right. Which was right. this really great. Yeah you know, love triangle that was, like, sexy and funny. And then when Kyle and Fish finally came together, it was like, you know, they had they oh. had probably as many candles as any yes, soap couple ever had. So, I mean, Still you know, that's one of Ron's. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of Ron's strengths. It is. It is. Um, it was a great soap opera love scene. That that scene with the candles. They had the. I like to joke. The sex candle fairy sneaks in while while the couples are having foreplay or whatever, and they go in and they light the candles and they sneak back out. Uh, so the sex candle fairy definitely visited Kyle and Fish. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> and the same thing. I feel like that same kind of aesthetic because it's Ron. Is is being is coming into play with Will, um, Sonny, and Paul, and uh, and again, you know, it, it's a tune-in factor for days. That and having Sammy back. Um, I know. Um, I mean, there are people who don't even watch Days who are watching Days right now, uh, who've never watched it before in their lives. I see them tuning in and talking about it on Twitter and asking questions about character backstory because they're not familiar, but they all. And I, I don't see a lot of first-time viewers turn, tuning into YNR B&B right now, which I think is kind of telling. Well, <laughs> well but the thing, the thing about B&B is it's one of the, 
the few shows that you can actually tune into and not know anything because they just re they just regurgitate the same plot over and over and over again. Yes. So yes. I mean yes. there's no there's no character growth, there's no character dynamic. People fall in and out of love like in five seconds. Like, you know, Bill spent how many years trying to get Brooke? And then the minute yeah, Brooke decides to divorce him, he sleeps with Steffi and now Steffi's the love of his life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just people have such short-term memory on B&B. It, it's really so frustrating sometimes to watch. Is. Because I just feel like the writers just take old scripts and backspace over the name and just type in a new name and use the same scripts. Yeah. I mean, I popped And that's back one in. of the I things that... Yeah, it's so frustrating. I popped back in because um, I was on a little bit of a hiatus because of Bill, because he was being a massive misogynist asshole, and it was making me angry, so I took a break. Um, I popped back in to see New Thorn, as you know, as we've discussed in previous podcasts. And, I mean, the fact that they jumped right into him proposing to Brooke, like, they hadn't even gone on a date. It was literally like, I've been in Paris for however many years developing this Australian accent, uh, and I'm taller, but let's ignore that. Um, and he comes back, and and he doesn't even ask her on a fucking date. Pardon my French. I try not to say the F-bomb on the podcast. But he's already proposing. And she's thinking about it. I'm like, and what the actual hell? Where, where are the story beats in, in between there? He's just like, I'm going to pick up where I left off. And he comes off. back. Yeah, and he comes back as this sort of morality police, which in a way is kind of what Allie was doing when she went a little cuckoo. But, you know, it's like, you know, Ridge is horrible. Ridge is, you know, someone has to stop Ridge, and I'm going to stop Ridge. And and the whole thing, it's like, dude, you've been living in France for the past some odd years, just popping in um, for family occasions. Last thing we knew, you were dating Taylor in Paris. But now right. all of a sudden you're popping back in and you're a designer now and you're like all of a sudden back in love with Brooke and saying horrible things about Ridge. It's like it's too quick. You're yes. not really allowing uh, Ingo to establish himself as Thorn before you're throwing all this stuff into the mix. Yeah. It's just too, yes. it's too quick. Yes. And I also, and it's I, mean, just, I, hate, I hate to slag on someone's performance, but also he just came in as I'm Ingo Rademacher and I'm going to read this dialogue. Like his Australian accent is so, it's just so present and it's distracting and it just cements him more in, and he's playing Thorn as Jax. You know, the same, you could actually swap out Thorsten K and plop in Maurice Bernard, and it would be no different than if Jax was talking to Sonny and calling Sonny a jerk and shoving Sonny into a couch. You know, there's no difference. There's no nuance. And I know I'm going to get yelled at, probably, if anyone listens, if more than five people listen to this. (laughs) I'm going to get yelled at by Ingo Rademacher fans. But he's not, I don't think he's trying to be Thorne. I think he's trying to be Ingo. And that's really frustrating um, because and I know he can do, do differently because we saw that cheesy. We were watching that cheesy Lifetime movie um, where he plays the king of that country that's like Tara Reid had a secret baby with Tara Reid. And that was not Jax. He was trying to be someone else. I know he can yeah. do it. <laughs> like, yeah, that made it and, even more frustrating. And that's, 
And but see, that's and that's the problem. It's it's the fact that you know the writers have dumped him right in the middle of you know this Brooks Thorn Ridge triangle without actually allowing him to establish himself. Why couldn't he just come back and the storyline could have just been about him wanting to be a designer and butting right. heads with Ridge about that? Why did the Brooke yes. have to be part of the mix? It's I'm just, not, I mean, it's just so yeah. too jarring. It's kind and of that's like, part of the problem. Yes. You know, they needed time yeah. to let him get used to it, to let him make the role his own. Because um, I don't think, yeah. I think he can. I mean, we got used to Windsor and his southern accent after a while. <laughs> it took it took a while, but we did. And it became commonplace for him to be the southern forester. But but it took a while, again, for him to settle in from the previous Thorns. And I think we needed that from this version of Thorn as well. Like, I don't inherently have anything against an Australian Thorn. I really don't. I just think we, it was all too much too fast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just should have been Thorne coming back and just reestablishing and, like, going around and meeting people. And I don't understand why, you know, and, like, seeing Katie and maybe, like, you know, seeing what Katie's doing. She's head of PR and, and like, you know, talking to her and maybe trying to establish, like, chemistry with her and, you know, maybe going over to Spectra and seeing... Sally 2.0 instead of just like jumping into this like plunging storyline it's just I don't know about you but it's taken me the past four years to get used to Torsten as Rich yes yes I still see him as Zack Slater sometimes and and as I said coupled with Ingo it's like Jackson Zack and Brooke and Brooke Logan Jack Zack and Brooke Logan so it's very we and I think we needed time to to um when you have two completely new people in these roles that have been around for, you know, more than 25 years to slide back into like the Ron Moss and um Clayton Norcross or Jeff Tracta Thorn dynamic or even the Windsor Harmon dynamic. It's really difficult because these are, as I said, com- completely different faces and completely different faces that came from different soap operas where they played wildly different characters, what, what, different recognizable, successful characters. So um, it just requires gentler handling. And I get that they wanted to give Brooke a new love interest. I think that's what, really what this is. This is really just giving Brooke a new love interest after Bill. Um, and that's, I think that's about as far as they thought. You know, let's bring it. It was clearly a chemtest with KKL, and he does. Ingo and Catherine and Kelly Lang have a great chemistry. They do. Um, but you need more than that. You know, we needed it to yeah. be eased in. We needed to be eased into it. We get it. You brought him in for Brooke. But you didn't have to drop him into there, right, into her lap right away. <laughs> Yeah, that's why for me, The Bold and the Beautiful has been the most disappointing show um, Yes, of 2017, because it just, Agreed. like, the whole, you know, the whole Sheila return was mm-hmm. mishandled, 
Um, the only surprising thing about that storyline was the fact that Deacon was the one trying to kill Quinn. That yes. was like the only surprising just, thing about that storyline. And then right. he just then was carted off to jail. Yes. Yeah, like, so, and then, yeah, I like Deacon too. And, you know, the whole, um, you know, Steffi, Liam, Sally thing was just a retread of what went on with uh, Thomas. You know, yep, and, same thing. and, 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 and then the whole Nicole all of a sudden not being able to have kids when it was like, oh, but wait a minute, you were about to be five seconds away of being artificially inseminated um, with a new baby before you decided not to do it. But now all of a sudden, a year later, it turns out you can't have kids and you're now fixating on Lizzie. It's like, is that the only storyline you could have come up with Nicole in Zenday is wanting a baby? I just think that like, like the 23-year-old hot, they're hot, sexy 23-year-olds, you know, not even, they might not even be, like, 22, 23-year-olds, they're hot, they're sexy, they're great together, and that's the only thing you can think of for them, a fertility storyline, like, really? Um, Instead of it being that, you know, Zenday is a new up-and-coming designer, and people are, like, you know, wanting him to do stuff, and and, you know, interviews and whatever, and Nicole's doing media, and their careers are tearing them apart. That's a storyline. That is. Um, That's what 20-somethings go through. Yes, exactly. But, you know, B&B's not interested in telling any of those stories. Like, um, the one thing that B&B did well this year, and I think they did it completely accidentally, which is why it works. (laughs) I don't think it was deliberate, was Wyatt and Katie. And it's mostly on the shoulders yes. of Darren Brooks and Heather Tom, who could probably read milk cartons and make it magical. Like, they're both funny, they're both charming, they're both sexy, and they are they were the best thing about the Bold and Beautiful this year. They were why I hung in as long as I did. They're so delightful. I live for their the scenes. Older, yeah, their older woman, younger man dynamic, the fact that he makes her feel beautiful and loved and wanted, which... You know, again, th- that was actually in character because Katie has always felt like the ugly duckling compared to her sexy sisters. And, you know, the only other man she slept with was, you know, Nick when she was dying. And then Bill, who pretty much wanted to bang her sister the whole time. So finally, she has this young, virile man who wants just her and makes her feel hot enough to want to wear lingerie in the middle of the day. And, like, I loved it. I loved it. Like, um, but I don't even know what they're doing with the show but, right now, doing with them right now. But like, what I love even, already? but what I love even, no, well, they're still together. But what I love even more is the fact that they're both on the same page and the fact that they both want to keep it not only on the down low, but they're not interested in taking it to that next level. You know, they're not rushing yeah. to get married. They're not rushing Thank to God. do anything. They're just enjoying being together. And even when they have conflicts, like with the whole Bill thing, they mm-hmm. were still able to discuss it in a mature way yeah. and not have it be something that's going to break them up. You know, so yeah. they're like the that's, only couple on the show that are rootable. That's and they're just awesome. like, you know, a side story. Yeah. Well, so, I'm also afraid what would happen if they but, were a front burner story. <laughs> Let's keep the if keeping them on the side keeps them out of the line of fire, by all means. 
keep them having wonderful, sexy sex and wonderful conversations and being casual and not getting married because God knows that's a disease all over town. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Wyatt's already been married twice. Well, yeah. Wyatt's already been married twice. He's been married to yes. Hope and Steffi. He proposed yes. to Ivy. To Ivy. Katie's been married yeah. to Nick. Yeah, Katie's been married to Nick, and she married Bill twice and was engaged to Ridge. I think these are two people Wait, who were like. Anyway. Well, I thought she was married to Nick. Oh, no, she was engaged to Nick. She was engaged to okay. Nick um, after yeah. he, you know, broke up with um, Bridget because he, you know, when Katie oh, right. got pregnant, remember Katie got pregnant by Nick after That's their undying sex. Okay. Um, yeah. Actually, we only have like 60 seconds left in this podcast, so I'm thinking we're going to need a part two. Okay. So. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. So, you know what? So, you in the new year. Are still with us? If you're still with us, hang in there, and we're going to record a part two as soon as we can because we're clearly not done talking about 2017. Thank you for hanging with us. And, yeah, stay tuned for part two because we've got more to dish about what sucked and what was great on daytime in 2017. <laughs> yes. Check us out. <laughs>